I got in trouble over the weekend. Oh, was I in trouble because I tweeted out. I said that it is not permissible for Christians to vote for Joe Biden. The tweet went viral. Lots of ignorant leftists said a lot of very ignorant things about the tweet. But the biggest objection that people had is that I was conflating politics and religion. And you're not allowed to do that. How dare you do that? Our founders are rolling over in their graves. That's what they all thought. I've got news for you, though. All politics is religious. The way you vote says a lot about how you view yourself, how you view your place in the world, how you view your place in the world to come, and the consequences could last a lot longer than four years. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back. I hate getting in trouble. I actually, I don't really mind. I sort of like it sometimes. If we can change people's minds, then I am more than willing to get in trouble. And I think we can. First, though, my favorite comment from Thursday from Goggleman7, actually, the Democrats are voting for country over party. They're voting for China. That's true. They, they're not voting for our country over the party, but they might be voting for another country over that party. You know, this is going to be a crazy, crazy week. Obviously, the biggest political night of every four years is happening tomorrow night. And somehow, by the way, I feel rested. I don't know how. I mean, this is the craziest, most stressful time. You know, the Daily Wire is moving to Nashville. Somehow, I feel rested. I feel at peace. Is this because there, there's some greater kind of political peace in the world? No, it's because I have my pillow. That's why I feel good. Mike Lindell, you know Mike Lindell, a, a very important conservative and Christian voice. He is the inventor of my pillow. I so look forward to putting my head on my my pillow pillow every night. Or initially, we only got one my pillow, and so Elisa and I fought over it. But I took it. I don't care. It, it doesn't. I, chivalry is dead if it means. I'm the one that gets my my pillow. They have so many other great products too, though. Mike's latest deal is on his Giza Dreams sheets, which are made from the world's best cotton Giza. They're ultra soft and breathable, extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dreams sheets are uh, at a two for one low price plus free shipping with promo code Daily Wire. You know, I, I love Mike Lindell. I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and so I, I've always thought, oh, I'll I'll use my pillow even if it's not that great. And then I tried it. And it is the best. These guys just know exactly what they're doing. All come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're not going to need the money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener's square to check out the two-for-one low price on the Giza Dream Sheets, plus free shipping. There are also deep discounts on all other MyPillow products, too. Enter promo code DAILYWIRE or call 800-651-1148 for these great radio specials. And podcast specials, too. Not just radio, but also podcast specials. So I got in great trouble for this tweet. But it actually, it does show how the left misunderstands politics and how the left misunderstands their own political ideologies. And the right gets it a little bit wrong, too. Just to clear it up, though, just to clear up the point, because the, the tweet got ratioed. You know, many, many people were arguing about this. And I, I sort of thought, well, if you're speaking something that is true from the perspective of Christianity, you probably are going to get ratioed. You know, I mean, that's just kind of the rule, right? People tend not to love the truth, especially religious truth. But the church's teaching is very clear about this. Uh, I will I will refer to the teaching of the Catholic Church. You know that I am Catholic. Catholic Church is, uh, is the oldest church. Uh, but uh, your, your mileage may vary if you are a member of a different denomination, but I bet it won't. The, the Catholic Church has taught 
The direct and intentional destruction of innocent human life from the moment of conception until natural death is always wrong and is not just one issue among many. It must always be opposed. Joe Biden seeks to not only defend, but to expand abortion in this country and to make taxpayers pay for it and to uh, permit abortion essentially up until the moment of birth. In certain states, certainly up until the moment of birth. We cannot support that. It is immoral for faithful Christians to support that. Beyond it, as St. John Paul II taught in his apostolic exhortation, Christi Fidelis Laici, above all, the common outcry which is justly made on behalf of human rights, for example, the right to health, to home, to work, to family, to culture, you know, all the rights that the left is talking about all the time, is false and illusory if the right to life, the most basic and fundamental right, and the condition for all other personal rights is not defended with maximum determination. Not acceptable to vote for Joe Biden. And then beyond the issue of abortion, which is singular, it is not just one issue among many, but beyond that, there is this worry about socialism. Joe Biden is empowering socialists. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris in particular, empowering socialists. Christians cannot support socialism. The church has been very clear about this from the beginning. Many, many, many popes have written about this. Pope Leo XIII, Blessed Pius IX, St. Pius X, Pope Pius XI, on and on and on. Uh, St. Pope John the Twenty, or Pope St. John the Twenty-Third, rather, who was considered not the most conservative pope out there, but he, while he was invoking Pope Pius XI said, a Catholic cannot subscribe even to moderate socialism. Even if you want to say, well, it's just kind of light little moderate socialism. AOC is not Stalin. I'm not so sure about that, but maybe you could make that argument. Doesn't matter. Can't be even moderately socialist. Joe Biden has sued nuns because they wouldn't pay for abortion drugs. He is promising to do that again. It is not permissible for a Christian to vote for Joe Biden. If you do that, if you vote for Joe Biden, you are imperiling your soul for all of the reasons that I've just mentioned and many others as well. Religion defines politics. Cardinal Manning famously said, Cardinal Manning, a great religious thinker and a great political thinker too. He said, all human conflict is ultimately theological. When we're arguing about taxes, when we're arguing about immigration, when we're arguing about the death penalty, we are having theological arguments. There are, there are premises about spirit and religion and metaphysics that are presenting themselves in our political debates. We have a liberal country, so we get liberal policies. Other countries are not so liberal, so they have other kinds of policies. Poland, for instance, is a Catholic country. There's that great gif that everyone uses on Twitter of Pope Pope St. John Paul II, where he's kind of like pointing out in the crowd and doing the fist bump sign. And he's he, it's because he was standing up to communism. And a million Poles came out in defiance of the communists and chanted, we want God, we want God. So it's a Catholic country. And now they've got Catholic policies. Poland, just last Thursday, essentially outlawed abortion in the country. Great, great news. This was a constitutional tribunal in Poland that ruled that abortions for fetal abnormalities violate the country's constitution. And they therefore imposed a near total ban, which are, uh, would, uh, there was already very intense abortion laws in Poland, and now there's a near total ban. The way that this is being presented in the mainstream media is that this is awful, draconian, terrible, that you're not allowed to kill babies because they have disabilities. 
Meanwhile, the left is always prattling on and on about ableism and how we've got to be, and we can't say certain words about people with disabilities. We've got to watch our language and be really nice. They don't give a damn about people with disabilities. They're trying to preserve a, a, a fictitious constitutional right to murdering babies because they have disabilities. That Can you imagine making those opposite arguments at the same time? You would have to have the compartmentalized mind of a left winger. And Poland is now reconciling this and saying, no, you're not allowed to kill babies just because they're disabled. Sorry, buddy. Now, there were some protests in the streets, presumably because a coronavirus is cured every time the left wants to riot. But nevertheless, nevertheless, they now have these correct, good, right, just laws there. New York Times said, in, in defiance of the dangers posed by coronavirus, these women took to the streets. Imagine if Catholics took this to the streets to protest abortion. Uh, something tells me the New York Times would not cover it in precisely the same way, not even anywhere close to the same way. There, there are religious politics going on now in France. France is under attack. Terrorist attacks took over France over the weekend. Okay, don't forget, by the way, the French Republic, the, the current kind of French regime, was founded by killing priests and burning churches in the French Revolution, one of the worst events in the history of the world. That was the, the, the essence of the French Revolution was the de-Christianization of France. How did that turn out? Christianity remains persecuted in France today. There was a, a knife attack in Nice, France, in the Notre Dame Basilica. That's not, not Notre Dame like the church that was burned down for some unknown reason that we've never gotten the full story on how that church burned down. One of the most important churches in Western civilization. But that's not Notre, Notre, Notre Dame, that one. We're talking about a Notre Dame Basilica in Nice. Uh, two people were killed and a fatally wounded third woman was able to ex escape outside. Uh, she was a mother. She, uh, her name is Simone Barreto Silva. She was stabbed several times. She made it outside and uh, told the rescuers, tell my children I love them before she died of her wounds. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking scenes in France. Many other attacks have been going on on churches as well. This is the third terror attack on French soil this month. Who's the attacker? A 21-year-old newly arrived Muslim migrant from Tunisia who is in critical condition after the police shot him. And I suppose it's good that he's still alive for now to get information about the attack. Those are religious conflicts that we're talking about. I mean, this is, it's most explicit here, right? You have a Muslim man going in and, and killing people because they are Christian. And we've seen many, many such attacks, not just in France, not just in Europe, but also in the United States. This plays into another question, which is mass migration. Europe has essentially open borders. This, this man who killed these people was a very newly arrived migrant from a country that is known for extremism. Does that play a role in our immigration debate? We're not allowed to say it does now, but certainly it does. Two more people were taken into custody on Saturday who were apparently involved in the murder. Who knows how many people are involved total? That, that means that right now they've, they've got six people in custody. They may have even more. And do you know how the New York Times covered this? You can't make this up. The New York Times is covering this by saying, is France fueling Muslim terrorism by trying to prevent it? You could, you could predict it. You could always predict how the New York Times is going to respond to these things, which is whenever the West is attacked, they will blame the West. They'll say, gosh, it's the West's fault. That, that what, what, why did you wear such a short skirt? Why did you go down that alley at night? 
Why were, why did you burn the roast? That's that's what the left and the New York Times want to say. A civilizational self-hatred. We will get to that very, very stupid story. But when we're talking about these kinds of things, you got to make sure that you are safe online. You've got to make sure because we're living in a very politically hostile time right now. That's why I use ExpressVPN. When I use ExpressVPN, these tech companies cannot see my IP address at all. My identity is masked and anonymized by a secure VPN server. You know, there's some stories that have come out about people leaving their laptops around and, you know, the things uh, were not necessarily encrypted and some material may have been hacked. And uh, I'm just saying you don't want to put yourself in that situation. ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. Does that sound complicated? It's not. It's so simple. Even I can do it. ExpressVPN software takes one minute to set up on your computer and your phone. Uh, you tap one button, you are protected. I used to think, oh, who cares? No one's coming after my data. Who, who needs it? Don't worry about it. They're, they'll go for somebody else. Now, I will not go online unless I have a VPN. It's so simple. And for someone like me, I'm not the most computer literate. Just click it, turn it on your data are protected. Why give these tech companies a free license to know everything about you and then turn around and sell off your information? It is time to take back your privacy at expressvpn.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. By visiting my special link, you will get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. That is E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Michael, expressvpn.com slash Michael to protect your data today. Marseille, France, begins the New York Times. Once again, terrorism strikes France. And once again, terrorism is exposing the country's dangerous contradictions. First, there was the murder of Samuel Paty, a history teacher who was decapitated near Paris on October 16th by a young Chechen man after Mr. Paty showed students caricatures of the prophet Muhammad in a class about free expression. Then on Thursday, three churchgoers were knifed and killed in the southern city of Nice. The prime suspect in that attack is a Tunisian man who later yelled, Allahu Akbar. Goes on and on and on about these awful kinds of events. But did, did France invite it? This is, this is the same argument that you heard from people who said, the reason we, we, get attacked, we got attacked on 9-11 was because we're involved in the Middle East or because we support Israel, or because, who knows, because they don't like the cut of our jib over there. When you are attacked, that isn't your fault. When you were attacked for uh, showing a, a picture of an historical figure, that is not your fault. When you were attacked for practicing your religion, Christianity, the faith that built your civilization, it is not your fault. You did not egg on the Muslim attackers. These are religious conflicts, but the left can't defend that anymore because we can't, or the, the, certainly the left, but the civilization generally, I suppose, cannot defend that because we can't defend our own civilization because we don't really believe it anymore. We have become a de-Christianized culture and civilization. Some people still go to church, I guess, but most people are leaving. They are leaving that religion. And so people who do believe in their religion are going to come in and take it more seriously. We can't even defend free expression. We can't even defend showing pictures of Muhammad. And, and the, it, this is not even just a left or right problem. Neither side can defend it because the left refuses to defend our Western tradition of free speech. And the right can't articulate any standards to, by which free speech can be measured. What I mean by that is 
the, the left has completely abandoned our actual tradition of free speech, but the right has been tricked into accepting the, the trap of, of the left and of political correctness, which seeks to overturn our old standards. We've always had standards of speech, S standards against obscenity, standards against fighting words, standards against sedition, standards against all sorts of things that actually circumscribe free speech. But the right now can't, can't defend those standards. So we've fallen into the trap where we have no standards whatsoever, no uh, compass whatsoever. And so nobody can defend our traditional civilization. And so it burns. The, the left summed this up. A Boston Globe op-ed columnist tweeted out a picture of a Trump parade, people in cars and trucks with Trump flags and American flags, and an ISIS parade, people in the back of cars in Iraq or Syria holding up ISIS flags. And the Boston Globe columnist says, see the difference between these two groups? Me neither. Me neither. Because what the left is seeing is that the form is all that matters and the substance doesn't matter. So if you believe in your religion, you're basically the same as Al-Qaeda. If you're a really devout Quaker, <laughs> if you're like a really, really committed Lutheran, you're the same as ISIS. Now, you might mention to them, huh, actually, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Quakerism and radical Islam are different things. And one of them is fine and harmless, basically. And the other one is uh, very dangerous to the whole world. If you said that, you, you would be called a bigot. You'd be called an Islamophobe. You're no different than, than these Muslim terrorists. But it is different. It is different. The devil is in the details here. There are differences. Now, we, we are told if you wave an American flag and if you wave an ISIS flag, it's the same thing. They, they really believe that. And what the left doesn't understand is that that belief, that point of view is essentially a religious point of view. It's just a different kind of religion. It's the religion of secular liberalism, which is uh, the most jealous God of all, perhaps, because it doesn't even acknowledge that there are other religions in the world. And, and the Democratic Party, the mainstream of the Democratic Party is totally captured by this now. The people have been saying, well, Joe Biden, he's, he's kind of a moderate. Kamala Harris, she doesn't believe in anything, right? She, she's kind of a moderate. I don't think they believe in anything deeply, but they have, because they lick their index finger, put it up in the air and figure out which way the wind blows, they have picked a side. They've picked the side of radicalism, of socialism, of out-and-out -out communism, it would seem. Kamala Harris, through the Biden-Harris campaign, put out an ad over the weekend describing the difference, as she sees it, between equality and equity. She could not have gone further to the left-wing extreme. So there's a big difference between equality and equity. Equality suggests, oh, everyone should get the same amount. The problem with that, not everybody's starting out from the same place. So if we're all getting the same amount, but you started out back there and I started out over here, we can get the same amount, but you're still going to be that far back behind me. It's about giving people the resources and the support they need so that everyone can be on equal footing and then compete on equal footing. Equitable treatment means we all end up at the same place. So first of all, what Kamala Harris is saying here just isn't 
true. <laughs> She's drawing a distinction essentially without a difference. Equality and equity are the same thing, and they come from uh, the same basic root words. If there is a distinction, though, she completely misunderstands the distinction because equality is the state of having the same stuff, you know, being being equal, being uh, identical, whereas equity refers more specifically to fairness. But what she's describing isn't fair. What she's describing is the opposite of fair. What she's describing isn't justice. It's injustice. She's saying that you're going to end up in the same place. And then what she says is completely incomprehensible. She says, the problem with equality is we can all begin at the same place. Or, or rather, we can all have the same shot, but we don't start at the same place. So we're not going to end up at the same place. So you need equity, this term that I'm redefining, to make sure that everybody starts at exactly the same place. But then actually, you've got to end up at the same place too. And then we can compete, right? So she says, that's we're going to compete. But how, how are you going to compete if you are guaranteed to end up at the same place? You can. That's just a meaningless addition because it sounds like the kind of rhetoric that you would hear in the American political tradition. Well, we're going to compete and, you know, every man is going to get what he can get. She doesn't really mean that. When you all end up in the same place, that is communism, right? That, that is, she is describing, and I'm not surprised she's describing communism because she was a Senate co-sponsor of the Green New Deal which was the most radical piece of legislation ever proposed in the history of the United States to redistribute wealth massively, to nationalize the entire energy industry, like something like 90% of American energy, to tear people's houses to the ground and rebuild them as energy-efficient green houses. This is, a, this is an essentially communist plan. I know the distinction between socialism and communism is a little blurry. The way it was once described to me is that Christians go to heaven and socialists go to communism. It's just the utopian end state that, of course, you could never get to. A vote for Biden-Harris is a vote for socialism, or as she's describing it here, a vote for communism even. That is what you are getting. That is a very dangerous thing. And by the way, you are getting Kamala Harris. You are not getting Joe Biden. Joe Biden can barely pronounce any words. I will play you a quote of his in a second. I want you to help me to try to understand uh, maybe what he's trying to say. But before we get to that quote, I want to thank SelectQuote because SelectQuote comparison shops, highly rated companies, including Prudential, Banner Life, and Mutual of Omaha, and others to find you the company with the best rates. For example, Select quote can find a 35-year-old man a half-million-dollar policy for less than $19 a month. That is less than a dollar a day. A cup of coffee a day costs more than that, significantly more than that. Select quote's breakthrough technology allows them to quickly match you with the best insurance company to find your best policy. Plus, quotes are free. Head on over. I, I think it's really important, uh, first of all, to get this kind of protection. I know friends and family who have not done that, and sometimes, very sadly, it has not turned out well. Get yourself peace of mind. Make sure you take care of your family. And comparison shop. You know, make sure you're getting the best rate possible. Let SelectQuote save you time and money. Get your free quote at SelectQuote.com today. That is SelectQuote.com for your free quote. Don't put it off. Don't put it off another day. SelectQuote.com. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health issuing company, and other factors not available in all states. 
Now let's get to a much sadder quote, Joe Biden's quote. I need you to tell me if you can understand what word or words the possible next president is trying to utter. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize I listened to this quote. I've probably listened to it now 50 times. I think at least some of what he's saying is true, true something, international pressure. Can we play that again? Can we go back to that other? True I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. So there are two. Too many syllables, obviously, in there, but I think what he's trying to get at is true international pressure. But I don't think he's going to mobilize true international pressure. I don't think that anybody is going to pay him any heed at all because his brain is pudding. I, I know it's sort of sad to say that, but the man is past his sell-by date, folks. And so when you vote for him, I can't feel too, sometimes I say, oh, I feel bad for Joe. I don't feel bad for Joe. I don't feel bad for guys who sue nuns because they won't pay for abortions. I don't feel bad for that. I don't, I don't feel bad for guys who have lied through their teeth for 50 years in government and who have engaged in corrupt deals in Ukraine and China, apparently. I don't feel bad for guys who may become the president of the United States. I think we shouldn't feel bad for that guy at all. I think we should feel bad for us if he gets elected. Because that, that guy's not even going to be the president. That guy is going to go, he's going to lie in bed and play Tetris all day. And either Kamala Harris or more likely the bureaucracy is going to take over. Maybe it was just a gaffe. Maybe it's just his childhood stutter that disappeared for 60 years, but then somehow came back all of a sudden. And we have to pretend that it's a childhood stutter when it's obviously not. It's obviously decline. Well, we got another one of these examples. Uh, again, uh, this one, I, I don't think there's any chance we're going to figure it out. But but Joe Biden is very focused on the importance of under Barack and me. It also holds polluter, I'll call polluters accountable with the most ambitious environmental justice agenda ever. Okay, so there, you do get at least the one word, which is polluters. He is, he is saying polluters there, but there are all these extra syllables all around, and then everything slurs at the back end of this. Joe Biden is obviously exhausted. The, these incidents have gotten worse by the end of the campaign than they were at the beginning. Now, don't forget it. For much of the campaign, Joe Biden has been hiding in his basement. So you haven't gotten to see many of these. Why did the Biden campaign choose to hide him in his basement? They used coronavirus as an excuse, but that obviously was simply an excuse because they didn't want these moments because they have seen him and they interact with him and they know that the man is obviously in cognitive decline and he doesn't have any stamina. I get it. Campaigns are really exhausting. I've been on a lot of campaigns and I've been on campaigns since I was 19 years old. And even when I was 19 years old, I was exhausted doing them because you're working 20 hours a day for 18 months at a time. So I get it. But if you get tired from doing a modest number of campaign events like Joe Biden is doing, how on earth are you going to stand up to the pressures of being president? You can't do it. It is not possible. And he won't. Even if, and I hope it doesn't happen, but even if he does get elected president, Joe Biden is not going to be a particularly hands-on president. Other people are going to do the job for him. And unfortunately, the, the establishment that, that he is empowering, the groups that he is empowering, are socialists, radicals, people who don't want equality of opportunity. They want equality of outcome. They will go in, they will take your money, they will redistribute it, they will institute a new American caste system 
that discriminates on the basis of race and sex, they are already doing that and they are explicitly promising to do it. That's what you're going to get with Joe Biden. And some people are endorsing him somehow. Lady Gaga. I couldn't believe this was Lady Gaga. I saw a video going around the internet of a woman wearing camo clothing next to a big truck cracking open a beer. And I assumed it was some kind of satire or parody or, but no, it wasn't. It was just Lady Gaga endorsing Joe Biden. Hey, this is Lady Gaga. I'm voting for America, which means I'm voting for Joe Biden. And if you live in Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Florida, or Arizona, I encourage you to vote. And if you have a friend that lives there, tell them to vote. I'm going to be in one of these states tomorrow. Guess which one I'll be in? Hint, I used to live there. Cheers to the 2020 election. Where's the punchline? I knew, I assumed the setup was going to be Lady Gaga's wearing this kind of silly camo clothing that no one ex- would expect her to wear. She's next to a big truck that no one expects her to drive. So I figured it was just going to be a joke about middle Americans, you know, the typical deplorable, irredeemable, bitter clinger thing. And she's going to say like, ha, oh, gee haw, y'all. I'm voting for Trump because I'm dur, I'm an idiot. Ha ha, you know, like the kind of thing that the left does all the time. But it wasn't that. It wasn't that because they know that if they do that, it'll turn off a lot of Americans and it will have the opposite effect. So I guess it was just her doing her best impression of what an American looks like. Because she says, I'm voting for America, right? So her best impression of what an American looks like, which was not particularly persuasive. It's like that meme of Steve Buscemi walking. How do you do, fellow kids? How do you do, fellow Americans? Oh, yes, that's, oh, what, you think I'm a left winger? No, no, I'm just an American doing American things like drinking beer, beer. Yes, I'm drinking a beer, standing next to a, uh, a pickup truck. Yes, this, that's what, this one's a pickup truck, right? The way you know it's completely ridiculous, by the way, is think about all the beer she just wasted. She took one little sip of beer and then crushed it and threw it on the ground. You don't crush a can and throw it on the ground until you have finished the beer. I'm not even much of a beer drinker. At least I know. I would never, ever do such a thing. I think she probably turned off a lot of Americans that way, too. These, these are totally different visions of America. It's funny that this is a stupid clip. It's obviously not going to convince anybody to vote for, for Biden. But it does show you how the left misunderstands America, doesn't get it, doesn't like America, doesn't want to have America. They can't do it. They can't speak fluently in the language of being an American. They can't speak fluently in what, what we want our country to be like. Because they want something different. They want equality of outcome. They want a racial and sexual caste system. They want imported foreign ideologies such as socialism. They want a, a materialist view of the world where electing them is going to save the planet because they tell us that Armageddon is coming in 10 years. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the son, but only the father. And apparently the left knows the day or the hour too. It's, a, it's an entirely separate worldview that they're offering us. Or you can vote for America. And I don't care how much you don't like Donald Trump's tweets. That is, this is about more than tweets, folks. This is a bigger election than that. This election is incredibly important. We are talking about a different prescription. You know, very often we hear, this is the most important election of our lifetime. And then the next election here, this is the most important election of our lifetime. And then the next election, what do you hear? You hear the same thing. 
And we make fun of that. We say, oh, it's just politicians trying to get votes. Sometimes that's true. But sometimes it really is the most important election of our lifetime. And there's no contradiction, by the way, if the next one is even more important. Actually, that would make sense, wouldn't it? If we're in so dire a position politically in this country that Republicans fear, rightly, that we could lose the ability to win elections at a national level if the Democrats win. If the Democrats win, they're already promising to end the filibuster, pack the Supreme Court, and add two new states, which would end the Republican Party as a national governing party. You couldn't win a presidential election after that because you'd be adding two democratic states to the country and upending the constitutional order to say nothing of packing the court, which would end any chance we have of getting a halfway decent judicial ruling. So yeah, it, obviously that election is the most important election in your lifetime. If, if it means the extinction of your political party, very likely. But then what's going to happen next election? Presumably that's going to be the most important election too. Might be even more important depending on how they're jockeying for power. There's no contradiction here. You've just got to embrace the significance. Some elections don't matter all that much. Some elections really do. Make sure you tune in tomorrow, Tuesday, November 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. We will be streaming. We will have special guests, live interviews, and more where we will be covering the results with you in real time. Even better, join Daily Wire now. Get 25% off with code ELECTION so you can watch all of our election coverage live on our Apple TV and Roku apps. So watch the election with us at dailywire.com. Get 25% off your Daily Wire membership with code ELECTION, E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N, when you sign up today. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. So Halloween happened over the weekend. I, I know Halloween, I believe, was technically canceled this year because... Uh, you're not allowed to go outside or see people and we're supposed to look at everyone like a big bag of germs. And by the way, Joe Biden says we're going to have masks through, what, 2022 or something like that. That's what Fauci is saying now, too. So if you like that kind of a situation and you want to vote for more of it, vote for Biden. If you want to vote for reopening the country, vote for Trump. Some people still wore Halloween costumes. Alyssa Milano went out there and dressed as, this is my, this is the favorite costume this year for the left, RBG, the late Justice Ruth Ginsburg. So first she tweets out, uh, happy Halloween, RGB forever, RGB, RGB, is it RGB, Ruth Ginsburg Bader? No, that's not her name. You love this woman so much, but you don't, you don't know her name. Okay. Then she deletes that tweet and reposts, says happy Halloween, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, hashtag notorious RBG. But then I looked at, how did she spell Ginsburg? G-I-N-S-B-E-R-G, not you spell Ginsburg. So the left, we are told we have to take them seriously on matters of jurisprudence, on matters of political philosophy, matters of the constitution, even the justices that they love, that they idolize, truly idolize. They can't spell their names. Maybe the third time was the charm. I don't know if she tried a third go. They don't know anything about this. I mean, you saw it especially last week when they redefined court packing. Court packing has a specific definition. So when you add justices to the Supreme Court, you increase the number of justices so that you are more likely to get a judicial ruling favorable to you. They redefined that absolutely definite possibility with 
adding justices to replace justices who had left, meaning following the Constitution, reappointing justices to the court. They conflated those two things very dishonestly, but the mainstream media totally went with them. All of a sudden, the, the minute you had one or two people mention this in the air, everybody, New York Times, the cable news channels came in and they said, well, Republicans have been court packing too. They haven't. They haven't. They've just been appointing judges as the Constitution tells them to do. Completely different situation. Republicans and conservatives have no responsibility to engage in these bad faith debates with them. They're not having a debate. They don't know anything about this and they don't want to know anything about this. They don't want to know anything about the constitution. They don't want to know anything about the law. They don't want to know anything about our founding. They don't like our founding. They don't like the country. The premise of progressivism now going back a hundred years is that the founding of the country was wrong and mistaken. And now we need something else. We need to change it fundamentally. The premise of the 1619 project which is now the hottest framing of American history on the left, is that the country was rotten from the very beginning, evil, terrible, and we need to undo the founding of our country and refound the country in a different way along leftist lines to have a good country. Now, we need to stop them from doing that. The way we stop them from doing that is we suppress their anti-history. We boot them out of the institutions that they've hollowed out and destroyed, and most notably the universities, and we beat them at the elections. And we don't allow them to mobilize the bureaucracy to overturn the results of the election like they tried to do in 2016, after they had already spied on our candidate in 2016. That's how we win. We don't, we have no obligation to engage in a bad faith debate. I like good faith debates. If a left winger wants to come up to me in a good faith debate, I'm more than happy to do it. I love that stuff. But there is no reason to, to take the bait. You know, we talk often about the free marketplace of ideas, and I suppose there's something to be said for that. You want to, you want to persuade people, but the left has to be playing by the rules of the marketplace. And if they're not, if they are just coming in and, and redefining terms willy-nilly, and doing anything they can to club you over the head and take away your political power. You have no need to engage with that. Actually, it'll just be a waste of your time. You've got to win. There are, I think, three never-Trump Republicans left in the country, and what they are doing is wrong and immoral. And <laughs> they should, they're doing it, and you can listen to their own arguments. You know where they're over at the bulwark, which gets three viewers every month, or places like Bill Crystal's websites, things like that. And what they, what they are peddling is sanctimony and self-righteousness because they say Trump is icky and I don't like him and I want to be really well-regarded by liberals, so I'm not going to vote for him. That makes me so moral and pure. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's wrong. It's wrong to do that, especially in an election like this. There is, I mean, I think you know where I stand politically in this election. I haven't made any big secret of it. I have criticized Trump on many occasions. Note, I, I often criticize him on, on the language around criminal justice reform and that uh, jailbreak bill that he pushed a year or two ago, the First Step Act. And there's, there, I'm not saying we need to agree with the guy on everything, but he is the best president of my lifetime. There's no doubt about that. And regardless of mistakes that he's made in office, I, th I felt he should have reopened the country much earlier with coronavirus. He didn't. Doesn't matter. He handled coronavirus better than any Democrat in this country. And he gets no credit for it. Andrew Cuomo, his policies directly killed thousands of elderly people. We can trace it. And now he's trying to cover it up by preventing investigations into it. Donald Trump's policies did save people. 
I wish he had ended the lockdowns, pushed end the lockdowns earlier. That would have been better. But he's still, look, it was a tough situation, once in a generation, and it's difficult to handle. I don't know. There was no perfect way to handle it. There was no way to handle it without a lot of damage. Around. Still, there's no choice. There's no choice in this election. Obviously, you got to vote for Trump. My favorite, my favorite endorsement of Trump came, it was just, it went viral around the internet. It's some older guy sitting in his car explaining in really blunt terms the stakes of the election. Barry, who are you voting for? Donald J. Don Trump. The Don. Why? Because he's the best president since sliced bread. <laughs> that is funny. The man do what he says he's going to do. I never see it yet in my life. Everything the man says he's going to do, he do it. Then his sister and family trying to put him down. She don't even know what a great man this man she have in her own damn family. He's sick. You could you get paid to talk garbage. The man is a genius. What about the man could fix numbers and it's all the bottom line is account receivable and accounts payable. The books man. The what about man. what about Biden? Biden, that criminal in 47 years, he didn't do nothing for the black man. So you're the telling man. people to vote for Trump, right? They have to. If they don't vote for Trump, it's finished, brother. God is in the midst. He's sealed and covered by the blood. They can't touch him. God sent him the right time. Believe me, I'm here 47 years, and this is the best. The best. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Sliced bread. You know, he said it in a funny way, so a lot of people are going to say, oh, this guy is a little bit crazy. Show me the lie. Show me the lie in that guy's endorsement. I think he's spot on. It actually goes on about a minute longer. He didn't have time to play the whole thing. I encourage you to go find it, though. Because that guy makes a great point. Trump does what he says he's going to do. That's what people have been so shocked about with him. Uh, uh, the key example is moving the embassy in Israel from, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which I, uh, most people in America like don't really care about that all that much. But it, it, I think it's very important, not even just for moving the embassy, but because of what it says about American power, American resolve, the way we treat our allies, the way we treat our enemies the way we treat our voters when we say we're going to do one thing. Because both parties in this country had been promising to do that exact thing for decades. It had been the official policy of the United States. And everyone just knew, oh, they're not really going to do it. So when you'd hear a politician promise it, you'd say, okay, but what does that really mean? It really means he's not going to do this. And then Trump gets in. And Trump, I guess he just, he never learned that lesson. So he goes in and actually does it. People are shocked. Oh my gosh, you can't do that. The thing you promised to do, the official U.S. policy. He's done it in so many other ways building the wall. He hasn't built the whole wall, but he's built a lot of the wall, actually. You'll, you'll notice there were people attacking him for lying about the wall, and then all of a sudden, what do they have, like 750 miles built or something? It's pretty good. It's actually a lot of wall built. It was almost, almost half, so you, know, you need that second four years so that you can finish building that wall. Uh, re, rejiggering trade deals. NAFTA, they said, you're never going to renegotiate NAFTA. He did. You're never going to get a trade deal with China. He did. He did. It was actually a pretty favorable trade deal. Your, your, your trade fights are never going to work. They did. They did. The guy said what he was going to do, and he's doing it. Joe Biden ha has accomplished very little in his entire career, and what he has accomplished is not so great, generally. A couple couple things I like that Joe's done, but but not many. Not many. So it's a question of which direction you want the country to go, and it's not really about these individual guys. Sometimes you would hear, you got to vote for the man. I vote for the man, not for the party. Yeah, if there's some really wicked, awful person, then maybe I would abstain from voting or vote for the other party. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about two guys who represent two different visions of America. 
not two guys that represent two different interest groups. And, you know, Trump represents this group, the white people and the men and the this and the, but the Biden represents the black people and the women and the minorities. And no, it's, it isn't that at all. Two different visions of America. Trump represents a good vision. Biden represents a bad vision. That's it. And you see, you see this the way that the, the endorsements are breaking down. Huge breaking news in the rap community. Lil Wayne endorsed Donald Trump at the end of last week. Following on the heels of Lil Pump's endorsement, following on the heels of 50 Cent's endorsement, but then he, 50 Cent, I guess, unendorsed Trump, but I think it was probably just to do some creepy stuff with Chelsea Handler again. I suspect he's actually going to vote for Trump still. And Kanye West, of course, endorsed Trump. People talk about how is Trump doing in the black community? I don't know how Trump's doing in the black community, but I do know he's making huge inroads in the rap community. He's making, it's insane. Rappers are voting for Republicans now. This is a reordering of politics. And that's what we're talking about for tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is going to be this huge election. And I don't have predictions over what is going to happen. I've got my money on Trump. I've, I've bet a modest amount of money on Donald Trump. I can't really come to grips with the idea that Biden is way up in the polls and yet no one shows up to his rallies at all. 18, seriously, like 18 people at his rallies and you get 20,000 people at Trump's rallies. I, it doesn't make sense to me that Hillary would lose in 2016 when there were many more reasons to doubt Trump and be afraid of a Trump presidency. But now that he's done a good job, now he's lost support. And Joe Biden, who can't pronounce the meaning of words, who picked maybe the worst running mate in presidential history and whose campaign has openly embraced socialism now in that campaign ad, that that guy is doing better than Hillary did, that that guy is beating Trump. It's hard for me to believe that. However, we do know that we're up against a big issue in this country. The mainstream media, big tech. Big tech just took down the, the New Jersey Women for Trump Facebook page. Huge private Facebook group, 23,000 members. That's a private group, so it's much tighter knit, more intimate. They took it down three days before the election. So Trump just tweeted at them. He goes, at Facebook, put them back now. And then they did. They did. Go get your shine box too. Uh, they did put it back, but there are a lot of shenanigans going on. And, and big tech and the entire liberal establishment, and probably the bureaucracy as well, probably the bureaucracy, people involved in the election to varying degrees, are trying to prevent Trump from winning. So we're up against a lot. Tomorrow night could be over in five minutes if, for instance, if Trump loses Florida or something like that. Or it could, I, could, I could see Joe Biden winning 40 states. I wouldn't be surprised. Or I could see Donald Trump winning every state plus Greenland. And I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I just don't know. This election will show whether or not the battle lines politically are so ossified in this country that we can never have a, a wide sweeping election again. We used to have that. Republicans used to win landslide elections before, notably before mass migration. That was a big factor in tipping it. Uh, but we, you know, Reagan 84 won 49 states. Nixon re-election was a landslide. I could see a landslide again too in either direction, or we'll see if the battle lines have, uh, have ossified so much that we're only fighting narrowly over these little states these little electoral votes, and maybe some guy wins the electoral vote, another guy wins the popular vote. If that happens, the, the temperature is only going to go up. It's anybody's ballgame, but I will tell you, my money's on Trump, and the only way to make sure that uh, we have the best chance of winning that election is to go out and vote. Of people who mailed in their ballots early, it would seem the overwhelming number have voted for Biden. There was another poll, people who were casting their ballots on election day, 
overwhelming number for Donald Trump, which makes sense because Democrats are living and cowering in the corner in fear in their pods of the virus and the lockdowns, and Republicans are living their lives. And so we're going to show up on election day because we want our ballots counted because we know that some shenanigans take place. That is the stakes. We will see tomorrow how the next four years, the next 40 years, next, maybe even longer than that are going to be. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Walsh Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Thank you.